You're listening to Restaurants Reinvented, a podcast created to help modern marketers elevate their game and drive rapid growth. Join your host, Jen Kern, the CMO at Q, as she dishes with restaurant marketing pros who are leading the industry with creative branding, marketing, and guest engagement strategies. Get ready to be inspired by thought-provoking stories from your fellow marketers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Restaurants Reinvented, a podcast serving tasty insights to modern restaurant marketers. I'm Jen Kern, and today I'm being joined by Justin Bartek, the Director of Marketing at Ginya Brands. Justin, thanks for joining us today. No problem. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Really excited to get the show started and hear about all the cool things going on at Ginya. So with that, can you give our listeners a little bit of background and context? Tell us how you landed in the hospitality and restaurant industry, a little bit of your story and what you're up to today at Ginya. That's kind of a funny story, actually. I graduated college. I was going to school in Northern California at Sonoma State. I was into the music industry. I host a radio show. I did indie promotion for different records. And I was interning in San Francisco at Jive Records. So did that, obviously didn't stick in the music industry. So I took a job at a publishing company. I started in the call center, even though I had a degree and everything. And I just kind of worked my way up in there, got a marketing assistant job. Then I got a a marketing manager job. How I got into restaurants, I actually went to happy hour with a girl that I knew. She worked for Baja Fresh and I met the director of HR just randomly at a happy hour. And he said, hey, I like you. Are you looking for a job? You should come work with us. And I said, "Uh, all right. You know, like literally (laughs) like that, went and had an interview the next week, got the job. So that's how I started in restaurants. Um, Obviously in college, I was a waiter and like I'd been around restaurants. The girl that I dated in college, her parents owned two restaurants. So I kind of was always around it at that time. But that's how I got started. So I, I started Baja Fresh as kind of a marketing assistant, kind of a catch all role, and then just went from there. Great. And more recently, you were at Halal Brands, right? So tell us a little bit about your work at Halal Guys and how you made the transition over to Ginya. Sure. So at Halal Guys, I was brought in to do international and West Coast. So at the time, it was all overseeing all the West Coast stores, but then overseeing South Korea, Jakarta, Indonesia, London, and Canada. And at the time, we had the Philippines as well. So that was the exciting part. I had never done international marketing in that way. It was at the time the third, fourth brand I had been with. So I knew about local store marketing and all that. But the exciting part was like, you know, these other countries, what do you do there? What does it look like? So that's how it started. Over the years, I was there about three and a half. Our director of marketing decided to leave. So I got promoted to that role. So that kind of changed everything. I kind of had more input on the brand. And for that brand, obviously, the Halal Guys is a street cart in Manhattan. For those that don't know, that's how it started in 1990. It was great for me because it was a brand that could connect easily to the streets and it could connect to New York. And I feel like that was sort of my comfort zone because I still had friends that worked in the music industry. I'm the kind of person that's not afraid to go use my contacts and and find and do cool stuff that hasn't been done. That's what what drove me there was, you know, what can we do that, that hasn't really been done in the space was what was exciting. So, you know, while I was there, we did a shoe collaboration with Clark's. We made like a wallaby. We called it the Halalaby, put it out in the Halal guy's signature white sauce and red sauce colors. 
we did a record release party at the carts in Manhattan, you know, for a new artist. That was really cool. We did some collaborations with different artists in general. There's an artist named Risk out of LA that we we worked with him. He did a special t-shirt for our loyalty members. Worked with Gangster Doodles, who's another kind of famous artist in the space. Did a, a sweatshirt right before I left. So there's some exciting things and you know with that. The good thing with Halal Guys too, there wasn't a lot of sales challenged locations. So it was easier to be creative and do things that were outside the box, which I really like. I kind of did my time there and this opportunity came with Jinya. It's based here in Los Angeles. It's a brand I already knew and loved. Very much attention to detail with their layout of the stores, with the ambiance, with the food, the quality of the food. So it was somewhere I could see, you know, myself going. In my career, I've kind of at this point I've I work for Baja Fresh, Qdoba, Veggie Grill, Halal Guys, but in most cases, they were emerging brands. And I kind of think I fit the best in those situations where it's a startup environment. I actually worked at a startup as well in between for a couple of years. So that that environment is is good for me. I think, you know, having a seat at the table and being able to be super creative is, is right up my alley. And also growth brands, though, you know, you don't want to be at a brand that has a few locations and it's kind of stalling out. So I've been able to position myself now in that way. So like, Emerging brands are kind of where I fit, working directly with CEOs and COOs and kind of pushing forward. And, you know, with with this brand, I think it's really got a life. It's going to do really well. Our CEO is very much a chef, a foodie. He cares a lot about the product, but he cares about the ambiance, the art of it and the marketing. So it's it's different for me to have someone who's on that level, but it's easily adaptable because we have the same goals. So now it's just learning what he really wants kind of pushing forward with that. But I was surprised during this COVID, you would think, you know, no one's going to be franchising, no one's going to be thinking about it. But we actually, we did three deals during during this time with new franchisees. We did one last week with another potential group. I was a part of it at Halal Guys, but now it's much more direct and explaining like, here's what we do here. Here's why we do it. And on the marketing side, you know, what what works for us. So it's been good. Great. Well, really interesting career trajectory there for you. And similarly, I love working with startup sort of emerging growth brands. And I had not actually heard of Jinya, but for our listeners who also may not be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously it's a ramen concept, right? Tell us a little bit about the concept, the food, you mentioned the attention to detail, your target demographic, and, and how are you pushing the envelope there and driving growth? Yeah, our, our founder is obviously from Japan. He comes from a family of restaurateurs, so they had restaurants in Japan when he was young. And what I've been told is his, his brother, actually, when they were kids, got in a car accident, and the parents had to close the restaurant to kind of take care of the brother, but he always loved the restaurant atmosphere. He loved after school going there, sitting down, having a meal. In Japan, it's, it's a different obviously different from America. So he was used to that. So he started some ramen concepts in Japan that did well. And then in 2010, he said, I want to take this to America. He moved to Los Angeles, Jinya in Studio City opened in 2010. And then from there, it was, you know, just pushing forward. So that that's our flagship location. It's been there, you know, 10 years, our anniversary is July 15th. So we're getting excited about that. But it was a brand where he he was the visionary and then he saw like, let's franchise this thing and see what happens. So we're up to about 40 locations in North America. We're in Houston, Atlanta, Washington, DC, Canada, 
Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, the, the brand kind of can fit anywhere, which is another great thing. You would think with the ramen brand, maybe it's a cold weather food or whatever, but that's not the case. You know, really great sales in Southern California. We've got four locations in Southern California. So it's Studio City, downtown LA, Santa Monica, and Burbank. But like I said, for the investment, you can see a really great return, which isn't always the case in, in restaurants and franchising. I mean, I can share that most of our franchisees are seeing, you know, between 15 and 20% return, which is great. So um, there's just a lot of potential here. And then for me, I, I come from more of a fast casual background. And then obviously a law guys, it's a Muslim brand, so no alcohol sales. But now it's like, we have craft beer here at this brand. We have uh, whiskey bars. We have sake. Like it runs the gamut. The one in downtown LA has a full sake bar over a hundred different kinds. Others have different setups, but you know we're into the craft beer experience, the the dining with drinks. It's something new for me, but I've been a fan of craft beer. It's like Sierra Nevada was always my brand anyway, and yeah. it's not really a stretch for me to you know help in in that area as well. Right. So obviously table service primarily, right? But I know you're doing some pretty interesting things and continuing to push the envelope. So tell our listeners how you're looking to drive growth and expand. Yeah, it's one of these brands. I would compare it to like, you know, I've heard this from other vendors, but certain high dining brands, they might not have even done takeout or delivery ever because the bar and the food service takes care of itself. We were sort of in that lane. We're not fine dining by any means. We're kind of uh, one step below, but when you look at our locations, they look amazing. And I think we ran into that with a lot of our franchisees. They didn't have any third-party delivery in some cases. Some of them didn't depend on delivery. We always kind of had takeout, but it wasn't a big thing. So with COVID-19, that that changed dramatically. Like we're, we're still in the process of getting everyone on the third parties. We had negotiated some MSAs th- that were really favorable. So that helps not all the stores were on online ordering. So we're working through that. We still have a few that aren't, but you know, when we started at Jimya, my COO started about two months before me. And then the director of it started the same day as me. So it's kind of a new regime and it's nice because we're all bringing new ideas to our CEO Tomo and saying, you know, this is what we need. This is what the franchisees need for success. And he's great at like, go ahead, execute, you know, do what you got to do. So there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean, we're still setting ourselves up for success. I would like to see the the brand, everyone on online ordering. I want to drive traffic to the website. We're working on a new website that should be done very soon. So just tying that all together and, you know, Owning the customer is huge for restaurateurs, obviously. So working with partners that allow us to do that is where the future is in my mind. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Great. And I believe I heard you say that you have a new fast casual concept. Yeah, the the Jinya family of brands, as you would say, there's four different brands, actually. So there's Jinya Ramen Bar, which is the main franchise brand around the country in Canada. There's Jinya Ramen Express, which is a fast casual version where it's basically build your own ramen. We have another fast casual concept called Bushy by Jinya. That right now is company owned, so it's not franchised. But that idea is maybe we have five or six ramens. We simplify the menu. We have gyoza and a couple appetizers, but it's it's built for you. So it's not choose your own, but it's still fast casual concept. It'd be like Baja Fresh or Qdoba. Or not Qdoba, Baja Fresh where you order, go sit down, they kind of bring it out. It's that model not going through a line. Jinya Ramen Express is going through a line like Chipotle. So they're kind of different, but both of them have one location. So it's sort of a test. And then we have Robata Jinya, which is basically a fine dining sushi 
Robotiyaki Ramen. There's one location in Hollywood, West Hollywood. It's kind of our CEO's baby. It's a different concept than Jinya Ramen Bar, but it does have Jinya Ramens on the menu. That will probably always be only corporate owned, and he would like to expand it in major cities. But right now, we're kind of in a show and prove phase with that brand as well. But for my job, it's like overseeing all those. So there's a lot to be done. There's four Instagram handles, four Facebook brands. You know, like there's on the social side, there's a ton to do. And then just building the brands because, you know, Jinya Ramen Express is about five years old. We did have another location in Vancouver, Canada that was franchised. Unfortunately, they had to close with COVID, but, you know, we're, we're still learning. And what, what eventually could happen, we may decide to use one or the other of the fast casual concepts and then maybe call it Jinya Ramen Express or we're not sure. You know, it's all kind of up in the air, but we'll see how that goes. But it is it's not just one brand. It's four. So there's a lot that goes with that. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, marketing already has a lot on its plate, right? But managing four brands is a big job for sure. So let's talk about in your role as director of marketing there. And obviously you've alluded to COVID and a lot has changed in the past couple months and we're all adapting. But in your role in the past and then currently, what are the things you're really focused on? What are the key areas that you're looking to really jumpstart and and optimize? Still building systems. I think Mm -hmm. obviously setting up our technology stack with IT. I work directly with our IT director on a lot of different projects because he kind of sees it how I do. A lot of these things are, are marketing focused, the website, the online ordering experience, you know, what deals are we going to do? What, what does that look like? So we, we, we work hand in hand on all this stuff, but I think right now it's more about setting the brand up for success, make it easy for the customer to order. We have this, this amazing fan base, rabid fans. I think we've got over 63,000 people on Instagram. We're the, we're the biggest in the space for ramen right now, but obviously we want to grow that. But I mean, these people are rabid. They're posting all the time. Our food looks great on social media. You know, they share with their friends. So there's a lot of social media stuff to go with it. But I think the real nuts and bolts is building the systems for sales building, you know, for the future, because obviously everyone talks about COVID-19 coming out of it, but then what if there's another wave? Like, are we set up for success if we have to go back to pushing online ordering, those sorts of things? We're trying to solve that now so that we're in a position to win, you know, no matter what happens. Great. That's good foundation building, right? Yeah. Can you share some of the systems you're looking into or using right now? I mean, obviously, digital transformation has become much more of an imperative these days, but even sharing what marketing technologies and tools you're using, as well as the tech stack you're building. Yeah, we we're sort of in a place where we have to use what was here, you know, like we can't make sweeping changes because of COVID-19. And, you know, we had to pull back royalties for a franchise, you know, we tried to help them out, but like, that leaves us in less of a position to invest. So we've kind of been basically kicking the tires with different solutions. But it's also looking at things like, you know, for me, new things that I hadn't had to use, so like a wait list feature, is there a company that provides a wait list that's better than the rest? I've been looking at all of them, you know, Seven Rooms, Resi, Yelp, you name it, like all the different ones. We want to see what do they do? What can they accomplish? And then who does the most for us? Because we didn't have like a, a curbside setup either. Can these guys facilitate curbside and wait lists and reservations and contactless payment? You name it, right? Like we're, we weren't set up with any of that. So we're trying to figure out, do we use Aloha's contactless payment that's a new product? 
Can they get it to us quickly? So if it's loyalty, if it's POS, if it's whatever, I would rather work with the best and have them work play nice than have one solution for everything because you get in that case and there's a lot of add-ons and stuff that they don't specialize in, but it's like, oh yeah, we have it. We have loyalty, but like your loyalty sucks, you know, so, or whatever, you know, so I'd rather work with best in class and we're kind of navigating that. So kind of just out there seeing what we need to build for success. Right. And there's a lot out there to look, to look through, right. can be very overwhelming. What's your relationship like with your head of technology? You mentioned there's a new, did you say a new COO, new CTO? How are you working with, with him or her through that and helping to build that relationship to make sure you do get the right stack? Yeah. Our director of IT is David Wang. He came from Waba Grill. So obviously a brand like that has about 200 locations. He kind of gets it on all levels about, you know, he's he's worked at a few brands as well. And he understands like this company's good at this. I wouldn't use these guys. So he's he already has a knowledge base, which is great. We are kind of on the same page with a lot of these providers. And if we don't know them, we'll take the call and hear them out, see what they do and kind of go from there. How we work it is like usually David and I will be the first point of contact for, you know, whatever we're looking for. We'll, we'll you know, go find the person we need. Or I, I have at this point so many contacts on LinkedIn, I can kind of get to companies that we want to talk to fairly easily. So we do a lot of that. And then if, if we like a product, we'll tell our COO, Michael Dean, hey, we think this is the right one out of these five. And he'll get on a call, kind of see what it is. And then from there, we take it up to our CEO. At this brand, our CEO doesn't really speak English. So we have a translator that we all work through. She has a title like director of communication. And, you know, like she, she works directly with the CEO. And then she also works on our culture piece. Mm-hmm. So that's different. But, you know, like I said, he's he's pretty flexible. He's not, you know, he doesn't think he has all the answers. He'll listen to us and then make decisions. You know, they'll work. We all work together fairly well for being a new team. But, you know, we at the end of the day, we have the brand's best interests and we want to have the best website we can have. We want to have the best online ordering experience we can have the best tools for me on the marketing side. Like I'm looking at listings management now because it's a mess and I'm a one person. So to keep track of even that, um, looking for a partner there as well. But, you know, I've been talking to a few different companies in that space with David as well and see what they offer. And, you know, there's just so much to it because that will tie to the website, maybe location pages, SEO, the whole nine. So just trying to figure that out is what we're really doing right now, you know, as a company until we can build out our teams and, you know, get more strategic and creative. Right now it's kind of just hold on, you know, do your, do your best and then find these partners and put these systems in place and then get to a place where we can start thinking creatively. Cause I was, I was talking about this, you know, the other day, it's just like with COVID-19 working from home, you know, I have a four-year-old kid. My wife works for Disney. She's at home. It's like, it does zap your creativity a little bit because it's like every day is sort of same thing and there's so much to do, but there's not a lot of time to think, you know, critically. So I've been struggling with that a little bit, but I think, you know, it's going to change, you know, in the next few weeks, obviously California is opening up and there'll be a little bit more of that. We'll be able to hire more people and, you know, push forward. But I was just, I was kind of zapped with the creativity, just like, Oh man, like, you know, and that's where I feel like I excel. Right. Well, it's great to see. I mean, it's very encouraging to hear that you're that involved with the technology decisions. There are a lot of restaurant brands that I've seen and we've worked with where the marketing person isn't always at the table or right. even part of the discussion with technology. So 
that's fantastic to hear. And I'm glad that you have a great team that knows what solutions are out there. In terms of the creativity, yeah, I hear you. Like, it's tough. Like, I have a really hard time re-energizing and thinking creatively when I'm sitting in the same place all day. So what are some other things you've done to adapt in this environment? I, you know, I try to take time for myself. Like, that hello, guys, it's funny. A lot of the best things that I thought of or that I executed were on the couch at 10 at night, like on the Instagram on my phone or DMing an artist or like, I'm very much a, I'll use the tools that I have and just go make it happen. Like I don't sit back, like I'll find a way to get in touch with people. Like most of the things that I've done in the restaurant space has been like relationships. So I'm a huge relationship person. So it's, it's a mix of like, trying to take some time for yourself, but also like, I'll go see what other people are doing on online kind of, you know, Oh, wow. This photographer is great. Let me reach out to him. This, this blog fits exactly. You know, I I just did something with a blog or an Instagram called noodle worship. And I had not heard of them, but I saw them. They've got like, you know, in their family of, of sites, they've got like a reach of a million. So we did a quick, shoot with them got on their site and then they were like you know hey we we have one called surf no turf and roboto would be great for that because it's sushi why don't we do okay like they threw that in because i had the i you know i went and met with them talked to them you know they're they're a black owned business which is another thing like just you know like trying to expand this ramen thing and get even talking to them getting their perspective like like yeah they don't understand black people love ramen like you know like but we don't see a lot of marketing towards us like that's it you know it's interesting i'm learning as i go but um just trying to find ways to penetrate things do new things that haven't been done here is is huge we've got a mma fight coming up on saturday in vegas i was able to work with a manager of one of the fighters on the card he is actually going to our restaurant today he's going to eat in vegas we're going to shoot pictures of it he's going to post on his social media he's got 750,000 followers He's going to drive people through a swipe up directly to our online ordering page, like things like that to connect the dots are what I like to do. And it's a new look for the brand. It's a new market, but you know, we know our customers, millennials, Gen Z, they love us. So that's a way to connect the dots. There'll be a ton of eyeballs on the event because there's not a lot of sports. You know what I mean? Just things like that, where it's like, it's not a huge investment and we went in half with our franchisee in Vegas. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's something new. So I'm excited for that. You know, just things like that I try to do. And and with the budgets being limited, a lot of times if you can have those conversations and say, look, I'll get you on the back end or, you know, I want to build a relationship. People are open to that, you know, because we're all in the same boat at this point. So I've reached out to tons of my contacts. I, I have friends at Food Beast, which is an L.A. based blog here, million followers. They did a post for me for free just because we needed help. Stuff like that goes a long way. And for me, it's like you could do all this stuff, but then if no one knows about it on your team, it doesn't help. And I feel like at Halal Guys, a lot of times things would get lost in the shuffle because we didn't share enough information. So for here, I'm trying to anytime there's something cool or new or important, share with all the franchisees. And it's like I've only been here since late February. I haven't met them in person, but just here's the information. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what we're trying to do. You know, and just trying to share as much as possible because I feel like the relationship part gets overlooked, but it's the most important. 
Right. And how do you engage and share with those franchisees? I mean, what's what's the best way to get their attention and kind of communicate that stuff out? Through Michael, our COO, we're, we're actually putting together a franchise team or committee. So we don't have as many franchisees here. So we're going to start with five and we're trying to have different representation. So the guy that has the most stores is on it, but maybe lady that has one store is on it in a more rural area as well. Sales, a high sales volume, low sales volume. We're just trying to connect all those. So we've got that coming. That'll go a long way. But right now it's literally phone calls, emails, you know, emails to everybody, phone calls to specific people that need help or Hey, San Jose, today I got an email. Santa Clara County is allowing us to open our patio tomorrow, so I'm going to open. Can you help? Yep, here's your email. I got a post ready. You know, just things like that to help them directly is is the best thing I can do for now. When I came here, it, there was no COVID-19. My vision was, all right, I'm going to fly to these markets, meet with the franchise owner, ask them about their needs, understand what they want to do, go from there. There was none of that. I went to Atlanta the first week I was here because we opened a store. I met with two franchise groups. But that's it. You know, it's been all phone calls, email. They don't really know me yet. So a lot of just trying to prove yourself from afar. You know, I can't wait till I can fly to Houston, meet the franchisee, visit the restaurants, see see their real challenges. You know, it's hard to do it when you're seeing photos, going by email. They don't know you. You know, I think once we can build the relationships, we're just going to be that much stronger. Do you find one works better than the other, email versus phone? Or do you find you should always kind of do a combination of the two? For me... It's a combination. I like email just for the fact that there's so much going on. Mm. I have a record, you know, like if it's a phone call, (laughs) I might forget if I don't write it down. So I prefer email, but phone calls are good. Like I've had a few long conversations with a couple of our franchise so far, franchisees, and, you know, learned a lot about their business, what they're doing, how long they've had the stores, et cetera, what they need. So those can be good, but like just for day-to-day tasks or, you know, hey, we need this, email is better. The other issue I have here is that my CEO doesn't always like to use email because everything needs to be translated. So he uses the line app. And so there's like a group for marketing and it's me, him and our culture person. But just just any way to communicate, any any communication is good communication at this right. point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorite mantras. Communicate and over communicate, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's- Never a bad thing. So let's talk a little bit about your marketing strategy and the different campaigns. You've mentioned the MMA fight. You mentioned the, the shoes at Halal Guys, all just really super creative and fun ideas. And, and we had actually originally first met at an event, an in-person event back in the day when we used to do those. <laughs> and those have you know fully obviously gone away for the time being. But what are some of the strategies that you're using and, and ways that you're continuing to innovate or, or just give us a little bit more insight there? Right now, it's it's heavy, heavy social media. And I hate that it's kind of, that's our main thing. But we do have a pretty robust email database here. I would like to add to that. So like when we're looking at these wait list products and things like that, my question is, hey, when you get these emails, we can import them into our list, right? Like we can control it. Oh, of course. You know, so building that up is big. We use uh, we use ZenReach at our locations. So we have, you know, free Wi-Fi. That's how we collect our names right now. On our new website, we'll have another way to collect right on the website, which we we had, but it was kind of hidden, you know, like there's just improvements we need to make across the board. But right now it's email and social is the main thing. Certain markets might do, you know, now that they're coming back online and being open, maybe happy hour drink specials, like that's all going to start kind of coming into play, but it's more right now. It's just, you know, 
we're not in the game of paying Facebook or Instagram for reach. It's more about the people we have. How do we activate them, make them come in, make them aware that we're open and the markets that we're open. That's more what it's about. It's not about a grand campaign to get more followers or get reach more people right now. It's kind of in, in my mind, you have to pick one of the two. A lot of times it's like we're either trying to make this net wider and get more people in our funnel or we're just going to satiate who we have and try to make them do repeat business. Right now, we're, we're more in that mode. We're not spending a ton on ads or boosts or, you know, you name it. We'll do a little of that, uh, especially with this MMA fight. Sean O'Malley is the fighter. He's undefeated. So it's like once he posts, I'm going to repost, boost, you know, but it's all strategic. It's like only in the markets we're in, only to certain people. Like I'm trying to be as strategic as possible so we reach the right people at the right time. Even the email strategy, it's like Robata now has happy hour starting today because we just opened you know, on Monday for dine-in. So that email goes out at 1 o'clock because the thing's at 2. You know, Just trying to be as strategic as we can across the organization and use the tools we have right now. So social and email is really it for now. For now. Yeah. What's your crystal ball think about events in the future? There's a lot of talk in our industry and the restaurant industry about events, which used to be the big place for their relationship building, like you like you mentioned, it's going to come back. There's so much doom and gloom. Once you beat it or there's a the herd immunity or whatever you want to call it, once you can, you know, I don't know, it's going to come back. People think it's like this is the new way. I don't believe that. Humans, I've already seen it, right? You see it with the unrest like that's going on in society. There's more unrest because people have been at home for months, right? So there's anything to go outside. Like I'm going outside, you know? So that's the human condition, though. People want to be social. And I think that it will come back, but it might not be now. It might be six months. It might be a full year. We don't know that, but we will get back to events. We'll get back to bars will be full again. People will go out. You know, like people love that. They need it. It's a human thing. You know, that's what humans do. They don't they don't sit in segregated booths with plexiglass eating by themselves, right? Like that's weird. And that's going to go away eventually. That's not going to last in my opinion, because it just, that's not how we are as humans. So I think that will come back as far as like the marketing part. Once that comes back, like I want to do tap takeovers at our bars with local breweries, like things we haven't done here that makes sense. You know, like why not? You know, our, our CEO is very much about craft beer And so I brought it up to him like the first week I was here. I'm like, have we done tap takeovers? And so things like that will happen, you know, eventually. And I'm very big on co-branding. So it's not about us spending a bunch of money and it's, hey, look at us. It's like, let's make it mutually beneficial to as many people as we can. I think we get more out of it. They put in a little bit, we put in a little bit, and then we reach both of our targets. Like that makes more sense to me. And especially at a brand like this, where it's like, the food's amazing. So like, how do we highlight the food? How do we highlight the food and drink? We're still building out our drink program. I mean, we, we didn't really have one here. It was kind of on the franchisees to figure it out. Here's some basic guidelines. So now it's like, how do we really make this go? Let's work with these brands because they they will want to work with us once they see our product, our restaurant, how it is. Like, I, I think that's kind of in the future. There's going to be a lot of that. Wow. A lot of change, right? <laughs> what advice would you give to marketers today? I think it's take care of the customers you have. Like that's for right now, it's going to be hard to get new customers because people are still scared. 
They're not going to want to try new things. They're going to want their classics. They've been missing going to their favorite restaurant. If you're one of them, take care of that customer. We've seen in our data, a lot of, you know, I get, I see all the Yelp, Google reviews and all that. It's like, it's overwhelmingly positive. You know, there's, it's rare that we get a terrible review. And most of our stores are over four stars on Yelp and Google, which is great. I worked for fast casual brands where it's like, if you get to three and a half, that's awesome. You know, because in, in a Yelper's mind, it's like, you're comparing Mastro's with Halal guys, right? At the end of the day, that rating is either it's one, two, three, four, five stars. So that's kind of unfair in its own right. So the fact that our brand is at four makes me feel good about the level of service they're getting, the food quality, all that. You know, I, I think we're doing pretty well, but it's, I think it's just take care of who you got, make them feel at ease, make them feel welcome. You might have to do more discounting than you want to. We're a brand that does not discount. Like it's rule number one. We, we don't like to discount. You might have to do a little of that. And it's, you know, changing the mindset of your C-suite people maybe, or your franchisees that like, it's okay right now to do some things we haven't done in the name of keeping our customers or getting them to feel good to come back in. You might have to do a little discounting. Most people on the, on my team understand that, but I think for marketers out there, I think, you know, just taking care of your, the people you have now is going to be huge. Yeah. And Justin, your biggest challenge today, what would you say it is? For me, getting in front of franchisees. I think I'll tell you a quick story. When I worked at Bob Fresh, I was, you know, much younger, but like we had an ops meeting and at the time, I think there was 50 regional operators for Bob Fresh. They had over 300 stores, but they were all regionals. And we had a meeting where we flew them all in to the office and we had this big three-day meeting and like literally went out drinking with those guys, you know, at the hotel. And I was the only person from the marketing team. We had like eight people on our team and they were looking at like, Hey, you're not so bad. You know, like there had been this adversarial thing though, between marketing and ops. And that was in the DNA of the brand at the time, you know, and I think they got over it eventually, but it was like just me seeing that early and realizing like you have to have this relationship, like marketing and operations goes hand in hand. It's all, it can be a good cop, bad cop thing. You know, like you're just the marketing guy, but if you're in the store and you see things that are not right, you let your team know they take care of it. Right. You might not have to tell the guy because they'll look at you. Oh, you're the marketing guy. You're not operations. What are you trying to tell me? If you have a great relationship with operations, then you work together and you get stuff done. So I took, literally I took from that time in the rest of my restaurant career, like I made it a priority to always meet with my operators because I was doing regional work and make sure we're on the same page. And if that takes going out for drinks or hanging out or going, spending time, I would go do it because it was that important. So that's always been my mentality. Once I got into a franchise situation, it's the same, you know, like you have to find things that bring you together or things that you can relate to. And it can be very difficult with certain franchisees because let's be honest, some franchisees have no restaurant experience. They might have got handed a check when a family member died and they said, hey, I want to open a restaurant. You have some that have multi-brands under the store, right? It's, it's a huge variance. So um, trying to find those things and working in a franchise environment is huge. And I think that's what I need to do. That's That's my biggest challenge right now. It's just getting in front of them, letting them know who I am, what I've done, 
what I want to do, and then going from there and also seeing what have they done, understanding where they come from. Because I think once you do that, it makes everything easier. If you understand someone's plight, it makes it easier to relate. And then you can understand what their real needs are. Because a lot of times if they've been, let's say, you know, they didn't have a good experience with a former regime or whatever it is, how do you change that? Right. It's like, you got to get in there meet them, talk to them, see what they went through and then kind of tell them what you're about and go from there. And then it's about showing it's not about talking. So that's kind of where I'm at. And so biggest challenge is getting in front of these guys, letting them know who I am, what our goals are, and then kind of just executing with, with them, not, Hey, we're going to talk from the top of the mountain down to you. And this is what you have to do. Cause I think in some brands that starts to happen, And especially when you have a founder who's very close to the brand, they want things a certain way. And there might not be a lot of give back or whatever you want to call it. So I think that's super important. And and that's my challenge is just, you know, getting in there with these guys and figuring that out. Yeah. I love how scrappy you are, right? I mean, I think all good marketers are really scrappy and there's nothing you're afraid to do there. That's awesome. And the fact that you're able to build these relationships all across and around the, the brand it's something that I'm pretty passionate about, like for elevating the marketing field in general. There's nothing worse than someone thinking marketing is arts and crafts. You know, like, no. Yeah. So one area we didn't touch on that much that I'd like to kind of get your insight on is the guest experience. And and being table served, it's a little bit different than fast casual and QSR. But what are the ways you're really helping to amplify the guest experience and, and increase that experience overall that you're you're giving your diners yeah we're we're lucky we have a really good training team here Mm -hmm. and i come from some brands where that wasn't the focus but when in coming here we had some great people already in place that you know convey that so at genia there's definitely you know from the top down there's an expectation of service level there's you know a multi-step process for waiting a table that we train everybody. I think in my experience, obviously, location, 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 number one. Number two is your food, probably, and your operation. Marketing is usually last, but that's okay as long as you understand that other stuff and try to help, you know, in in any way you can to amplify what you do do well, what your food tastes like, what, you know, you name it, right? It all kind of works together, but at the end of the day, I have nothing to market if you run a terrible store. You know, I don't even want to bring people in if you're not running optimally, right? So a lot of times in the past, it's been, wow, these guys are really, you know, they've got 70s on their operation score out of 100. Like they're running terrible stores. Well, I'm not spending any money with them until they get it right, you know, because why would I spend a dime to send someone to a restaurant that's terrible? So luckily here, we don't have any of those. You know, like everyone is really tight on operations. The guest experience is is kind of number one as well as the food, but like it's it's up there, you know, and it's something that is in it's in the DNA of the brand and it's been that way. And I think when with our training program, when new franchisees come, you know, they, they get eight weeks of training at our store. Yeah. So it's very comprehensive that they learn all the kitchen, obviously, but then there's like two weeks of just guest interaction, what to say, how to do it, you know, how we do it. So it's, it's very important. It's not as much of a marketing function here right now, but I see it and it is important for the brand as a whole. What about the guest data? Are you collecting guest data? 
we're getting some. That's a lot of these. A lot of these. You know, people we're talking to. It's about the data. Like, hey, do we get the data? Yeah, it's your data. Great. You know, we we need to build it out so that's it's more usable, I guess. But with some of these potential partners, you know, like seven rooms, there's so much data on that thing. If we decide to go with them, that's going to be one way where we're, you know, kind of building out these guest profiles. There hasn't been a lot of that here. So it's it's sort of new for the brand to build out who your customer really is. We weren't big enough to do a technomic study or, you know, like we're not that brand yet, but we have things that we could use Instagram, Facebook, see who the, who's looking at us. What's their age range. You know, like I use a lot of the social media tools. I'll use the email platform as well to kind of get a better picture, but we're going to be better at data. I think right now we're setting that up. It's mainly a setup phase. You're not alone in that, right? <laughs> There's a lot of restaurants that brands that just can't get all the data. So stitching it all together is definitely a job. Yeah. What about loyalty? You mentioned you're evaluating loyalty platforms now but how, yeah. so how are you driving loyalty now and what are you looking to do in the future we're basically not when i came they were testing the loyalty that came with the pos which to be all honest i'm not a huge fan of i just don't think it does what we needed to do the first couple of weeks i did start talking to different loyalty providers that i knew but then this happened and i think loyalty is going to be last for this brand and i think that's okay because it is you know, it's sit down. It's a little different. The the loyalty, just the structure might need to be a little different, you know. In fast casual, it's like, all right, use your app or scan this barcode or, you know, get your points, keep it moving. This is a different experience. So, like, how does it tie in? when you, if, if you get a loyalty reward at, at casual dining, how does it work? At what point in the process, the ordering process, do you have to sit there and say, hey, I have a coupon? people don't really like that. Right. So is it, what's the best move? You know, like, is it a percentage off? Is it, you know, an item based thing? We're trying to figure it out. I think with everything else going on, it's not a priority right now, but I think, you know, we could set ourselves apart if we pick the right loyalty partner in the future and kind of in this space, if we have loyalty, it's just another great thing to have when you're trying to keep your customers and, you know, keep them happy. So I think there's room for it. I just don't think now's the time. And I'll keep evaluating and figure out who that partner is because maybe they're just getting started. You know, in the loyalty space, like everybody's kind of a startup and it's like, what do they do best and how quickly can they implement? And are they just telling you what they can do or can they really execute on it? Because we've all worked with partners where it's like they promise you the moon and then you get started and it's like, well, actually that's actually this, or, you know, we actually don't have that yet. It's on our roadmap. Well, when are you going to have, well, we don't have a date, you know, you've heard, we've all heard it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to work out. Yeah, for sure. Keep me in the loop there. (laughs) And something you said earlier in the show really piqued my curiosity, which is you said you're getting close to, or between 15 to 20% return for franchisees. I don't know how much you can share about that, but what are some of the things that you're doing to contribute to that and or what are ways that you're doing that? I think for our brand, and this isn't in my mind necessarily a good thing, but our franchise fee structure is actually very low. So it's good and bad. It's bad because they only pay 1% for marketing. I come from brands where it's 3% or what you name it, right? It's 1% here. So that to me is not good because a lot of times they want certain things. It's like, 
you guys only pay 1%. Like we don't have this huge budget, so we have to pick and choose and we have to be strategic. So I would like that to change. But on the other side of it, the, the royalty is only 5%. So they're only paying 6% to the brand. So that leaves a ton of room if they execute, if they keep their food costs in line, the labor, you name it. There's a lot of money to be made, especially if if the location has a full bar. You know, in alcohol, what is the profit? 70, 80% maybe on alcohol. So there's a ton of room to make money with this brand. And I think when you have that situation, great food, a great looking restaurant, even if their initial investment's a little higher, they see the value because they see the returning customers, you know, like they're, they're making good money. So I think it all kind of works together. That's been my experience here. So I think that's just going to continue because like I said, signed three new franchisees during COVID-19, had a meeting, you know, two days ago with another potential. There's another one coming, you know, like we're, we're getting in new markets now. We're going to be opening in Denver soon. We're going to be opening in Nebraska, just places like all around the country where it's like, you know, Indianapolis, North Carolina, like it's going to catch on in a lot of places. And I think we're in a good position. We've seen in Houston, we have eight locations. It's our biggest by, by store. There's tons of people in Houston that love ramen now. And a lot of that has to do with our brand. It's great. Atlanta, same way. You know, we've got three stores in Atlanta proper, but tons of fans there. So it's like, we know the brand works if they execute how they need to execute. And with that said, if they build it, have a full bar, run the restaurant well, the way the structure is here, they can make a lot of money. So the, the ones that do that are making good money. That helps us because you don't hear as much chirping, you know, when they're making money. So we want them to be successful because their success is our success at the end of the day. That'll allow us to build more corporate restaurants and build our teams out and make it better for them. So, you know, we want them to be as successful as possible. Success is not, it's not the flu here. You know, you want to, we want to catch it. Yeah. And then everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> Last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with marketers. For me, it's, it's do the work be open, live limitless. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see it written there. That's my mantra. That's what I live by. It's do the work, be open. Because if you're open, good things happen. You meet someone you didn't expect to meet. That leads to something like that's how my career has been. Hasn't always been a plan like we're going to do this, this, this. It's been I met this guy who knows this person. Let's connect the dots. Let's do something cool. You know, you can't be afraid. you got to live limitless. Anything can happen. So that's kind of what I do. Like, be open, do the work, live limitless. That's my mantra. That's what I would tell everybody. You know, it's like, it works. You just have to be open to things in the universe. You know, you have to be open and things come to you. If you're closed off or worried or scared or whatever, it's not going to happen. So you have to kind of accept it, be open to it, and then, you know, you have to do the work. That's the other part. People can have great ideas. People can be, you know, idea pushers and that's all they do. But if they don't execute, it doesn't matter either. So there's a fine line, but every really cool thing that's that I've done in marketing for restaurants has been because I was open and I said, that hasn't really been done that I've seen, but let's just try to do it. And then you go do the work and you figure it out. And sometimes it doesn't work, you know, like it's okay. Like there's a lot of failure in marketing. And you can't be afraid of that either. So that's kind of my mantra. And I live by it. And it's, it's done well for me. Love it. 
Yeah. I think I'm going to meditate on that for the next <laughs> few days. It's beautiful. I absolutely love it. And yeah. So how can our listeners reach you, find you, get in touch with you? Best way if it's for business, LinkedIn, obviously, uh, it's Justin Bartek. Easy to find there. If you want to follow my Instagram of pictures of my kid and vinyl records, Tech Turbo, so T-E-K-T-U-R-B-O. I have Twitter and all that, but I, I'm more of a, a lurker. Like I get news from Twitter and I kind of see what the pulse is, but I'm not that active on it, but it's the same handle. But yeah, I'm a visual person. So I, Instagram is my platform of choice. And then on business, LinkedIn, I try to I try to like shine the light on stories that are important in the industry, or sometimes you have to shine the light on yourself. Like that's, that's just a fact. So thank you so much for your time today, Justin. Really appreciate it. And uh, be well. Can't wait to hear more about the ramen story. And for our listeners, um, please join us again. We'll be exploring more modern restaurant marketers like Justin in the following episodes. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. The Restaurants Reinvented podcast is brought to you by Q, a restaurant technology company going beyond POS to create unified food experiences for fast, casual, and quick service restaurants. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a review. It really helps us improve the show and bring the restaurant marketing community together. Thanks for listening.